Hello and welcome to the Not A Game podcast. I've completely forgotten which number we're on uh, and Tom is unfortunately not able to join us this week because he's managed to have absolutely no internet. So it will be Craig Lager. Hello. And me, Philippa War. We are totes hype about this because we have an absolute special edition and it is all about how games have formed us or indeed formative games because that makes more sense mm. you could say that it's the top bounce edition <gasps> top bounce totes excite <laughs> Lol. he's gonna veto it he's this isn't ever gonna go out, out. <laughs> or he just won't hear it he'll be like why were you silent for the first few minutes of the intro <laughs> Oh man. Uh, anyway, having set Tom's vocabulary filter um, screaming for the hills, uh, I think, Craig, you had some questions or do you want to say anything uh, about why you uh, suggested that we do this? Or Well, I thought it would be a good idea because because nobody else was available. I figured if it's just if there's only two people talking, we might as well take the opportunity to do something a bit different. Hmm. Um, and I thought, I don't know. This might be We're quite trying to make a feature out of the fact we've got no friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's a feature, not a bug, everyone. Come on. Well, I'm calling it a concept podcast because that way, if it goes terribly, we've got an excuse in that it was just a concept. It's a podcept. A podcept. Yeah. Well, it's a pod interrogation. I think. I think we we settled on. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so I'm going to ask you then the first thing that I've got in my Google Doc titled Pip Interrogation. <laughs> I don't have a Google Doc, I'm just winging it. <laughs> so, um, what was the first video game you ever remember playing? And then also, what was the first video game that you remember being really into? Ooh, uh, ooh. I think the first game I remember playing uh, was probably Tetris uh, because my brother had a Game Boy um, and we took it to uh, the south of France, I think, on a family holiday. And I spent an awful lot of time begging and borrowing it um, because I absolutely adored that game. Um, and it was so much more pleasant than, you know, I was at that age where it was just like, I really don't want to spend any more time with my family than I absolutely have to. <laughs> so I used it as a way to block out the fact that I was having, to, still having to share a room with my sister, like, you know, just having to like concentrate on these blocks. Um, that was the holiday that I found, um, an insect leg. Um, and then I kept it in the hopes of, of finding the rest of the insect because the leg was so cool and weird and interesting. Um, still got what? it. Where did you find You Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. No, this is one of the Let's back up. I regret this. <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs> uh, Tell me about the insect leg. Well, okay, so it looks like it might come from one of those stag beetles. It's got all those sort of serrated edges and it gets like, it's got mm. a really fat thigh. I mean, you know, not one to body shame an insect, but, you know, <laughs> slightly chunky. Um, but yeah, and so I kind of thought that the insect it must have come off was really quite exotic and, you know, not like the sort of insects I got back home. Um, and so I kept the leg. I don't really know what I was hoping, like whether the insect would come back and be like, 
hello, have you seen my leg? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, okay, well, curiosity sated. Um, but yeah, so that's the thing that happened. Uh, I, um, Where do you keep it? Well, right, okay, so this is another thing that came It's with. not in, like, a big a jar on a shelf of jars full of bits of insects. Is it? It's in a jar. <laughs> But, um, okay, so it's in an old, like, jewellery box, um, kind of, like, display container thing. Um, and it's just this leg on its own. Um, but it's in, a, like, an old-fashioned sweet jar um, that's also full of kinder toys. So it's just, what? like, like an old-fashioned, like, I don't know, barley stick kind of jar. And then it's absolutely rammed with all the kinder toys I ever got when I was a kid. And also this insect leg. That so, is fucked up. But well, this what? is what my sister said when she discovered it at Christmas. <laughs> she was just like, okay, well, what the hell is this? And I explained. And I was like, I just thought that maybe I'd find the insect at a later date. And she was like, when was this? And I'm just like, I don't know, 1995. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had that leg a time, you know. Um. Like I can, I can understand finding a leg, yeah. okay, and being interested in that, and then I can sort of see the thing of like, okay, you put it somewhere, and then you you, just, you never get rid of it, and then after a point, you can't get rid of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But with things like that, especially when it's a leg, you don't keep it with a load of fucking Kinder toys. <laughs> So is that what you're objecting to, that it's in the proximity <laughs> of all these kids' toys? Yeah, yeah, because, like, kinder toys are our childhood, mm. and you've got a dismembered leg with it. <laughs> well, right, okay, but, yeah, I don't really have a comeback to that at all. <laughs> However, it's an interesting leg, so, okay. you know, and like, you know, like a kinder toy piece without the rest of it set, surely, maybe there's a, no? No, you've got nothing. Okay, no, carry on. Nothing. I really like Tetris, though. <laughs> I played it until, you know, you get that thing where the walls seem to move or you see the pieces when you close your eyes. Um, And I remember that I always used to, like, before I started, set uh, the music to the C selection. Like, you know how it was ABC. D, I think, um, and I liked the C one because it was slightly weird. Okay. I I can't remember the tune offhand actually, but um, yeah, it was kind of like a slightly more, I don't know, I, it it just wasn't the normal Tetris theme, and so I kind of I think I was just a hipster. I was a Tetris hipster. Couldn't help myself. Um, so yeah, that that was the game that I first remember playing. I don't know if it's the first one that I ever. Played, I think, like maybe at primary school. Like my my friend's dad, um, my friend Robert's dad, uh, used to uh, actually make games. Um, you know, just really basic games for us to play on the PC at school when we were kids. Mm. And so there was this one that he did where um, you were just this uh, jewel thief, and you had to wander around all these dungeons, just collecting jewels and avoiding enemies and stuff. Like, I think going back, it would be massively, massively basic, but it was, you know, it was really exciting at the time, and you'd be, like, you know, competing with your friends and, like, fighting over who got to have a turn, and, you know, like, people would implement rotors of turns, so, you know, nobody would get upset. You know, it was, it was that kind of collaborative gaming that yeah i just 
you know people would be like oh and then you go here and then you go there and you'd have like you know you sort of it was kind of like gaming by negotiation almost sometimes mm-hmm. so yeah um and i remember that being really brutal it was you know it was very much the sort of permadeath kind of <laughs> well all of the games were yeah then. true actually like people forget how hard mario is mm. Yeah, I think... It's harder than Dark Souls. (laughs) Mario, harder than Dark Souls. (laughs) It is, it's fucking brutal. What do you think about the new Mario games then? Do you think that they've like forgotten their roots? (laughs) They should be really Um, unforgiving, otherwise they're not teaching children anything. (laughs) Yeah, I don't play them anymore. Mm. I don't like them anymore, actually. I find them... um, I don't know, last last one I played was Galaxy. Yeah, same actually, I think. And yeah, I didn't really get on with that. Because yeah, actually, there is an element of that. They are, um, you just sort of go through them now. Like, there's no, I don't know. I don't want to say that Nintendo have gone casual, but they did. I don't have, like, like I'm fond of the characters, but it's a fondness that's rooted in the past rather than rooted in much that yeah, they've absolutely. done now although actually having said that there was the um the ds mario game i can't remember what it was called i think maybe just super mario bros uh mm-hmm. but um there was a bit in that where like someone turns up and they're sort of you know it's leet speak and it's it, it just felt really knowing for a mario game which uh, mario mm-hmm. games sort of they oscillate like sometimes they feel massively naive and then sometimes they actually feel really quite yeah. switched on like uh, Paper Mario for um, the GameCube that felt really switched on I loved that yeah, game yeah it was a fantastic game yeah. mm, and it sort of had a sort of slightly more biting sense to it whereas mm-hmm. um, some of the other games like Galaxy I just felt like they were super like they'd had their edges rounded off yeah I'd agree they feel um, like I don't know, it's more... I think I might get shot for this, but it is a, a bit more style over substance at the, right now. Or at least Galaxy was. Mm. Um, and it was the same with the uh, the DS one. Like They're very nice to play through, um, but ultimately like I don't feel that there's any challenge to them, really. Mm. And something's been lost there. Because Old Mario was really hard. Mm. I think as well, maybe I'm just not looking for the same things that I was when I like started playing that stuff because i well not started playing that stuff because obviously yeah like gaming has changed over that time but um when i played galaxy the first time around clearly i liked it you know i wanted to you know get all the stars and you know i it was more the challenge of um being able to beat the different worlds or you know get all of the the um achievements for things but it was still like and, and so I genuinely enjoyed that. But it's not something that I would go back to now. And it's not something I'm seeking out at the moment. Like the announcement mm-hmm. of Galaxy 2 didn't make me excited or interested. I, I don't have a wish to revisit that sense. Or that sort of that type of gaming at the moment. No, I find that with all of Nintendo stuff at the moment. Um, like I, re- I really like old Nintendo stuff. Which I'm, I'm probably going to tell you about in a moment. Um, but... Yeah, right now, I, I, I find them quite 
bland and a bit uninteresting. Um, tell me about the the first game that you remember being really into. Hang on, no, do we not get to find out what your um what the first game that you played was? What's your first? Oh, okay, um, mine was also Tetris. Oh, okay. Which um, I remember um, getting an original Game Boy for my birthday. I don't know which one. Like I probably played something before it because oh well definitely um yeah I would have played something before I have no idea what I remember having like a Commodore sixty four at some point mm. and stuff like that but the first one I distinctly remember is uh yeah playing Tetris on in the morning on my birthday after getting a Game Boy <laughs> after like waking up and then going through the fucking rigmarole and my dad told me that I'd overslept and missed my birthday <laughs> so therefore I got nothing and also that the uh, wherever he was getting it from, or the deliver, or the postman, or something hadn't been, and therefore I also got nothing. Oh no! <laughs> Did you fall for it? Um, I don't. I don't remember. I remember it happening. <laughs> I don't think. So. Yeah, it was very much like a dad joke, yeah. which is probably where I do this to my son now all the fucking time. And but he's so wise to it that I don't get away with anything anymore. <laughs> you're gonna have to up your game you're gonna have to seriously like prank him you're gonna have to be like um in arrested development you know you're gonna have to hire the guy um i can't remember his name the guy who had lost his arm and so he would like really mess with the kids yeah i know you mean i can't remember his name though yeah anyway um but yeah you you need to you need to have one of those in your life to to deal with isaac and his his worldly wiseness okay so when he gets taken off me then i can legitimately blame you now (laughs) of course I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I don't want anyone else to be responsible for this. <laughs> Back off, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, oh, that's cool. So, you know, like, what was it about? Like, had you begged for the game or had you been saving up and your parents, like, took pity on you? Or, like, how did you how did you come into possession of this thing? Um, I have no idea. I don't even know if I knew that they existed. Um I think I just got bought one, mm. um, and then that was it. I, I mean, to, I don't even particularly like Tetris. I find it really fucking irritating, um, and I think that that was. I don't remember having another game with it. I think it was pretty much just Tetris. Mm. Um, what you need? Well, yeah, for a while, because <laughs> I remember buying Mario One mm. while I was on holiday with my holiday money. Mm. Um, like I can't remember playing anything else on it before that. Okay. It's, it's so vague. I, I can't remember how old I must have been. I was probably only like five or something. Okay. No, that was yeah, that was a time ago. Like I remember um, on my brother's uh, original Game Boy as well. I I loved um, what is it? Uh, was it Super Mario Land Two? Like the six golden coins one? Yes. Absolutely loved that. Yeah, I remember my friend had that. I actually he had that on. Um, do you remember sometimes people would get like ninety nine games in one mm. and stuff like that, and they'd all be either knockoffs or just clones of stuff all put onto one cartridge, and people would bring them back from like Turkey or wherever. Yeah, and loads of like, and he had Mario on as that. well and stuff as well. Yeah, and it like I think it had that and Excite Bite on and some like six versions of the same karate game. <laughs> Oh wow. But yeah, like I I remember that. And I remember actually like thinking it was really yeah, it was just really cool. I got really yeah, excited about it actually. 
Yeah, they are really cool. I rem- God, I've got suddenly like a load of Game Boy stories that I remember now. Like, um, I remember borrowing uh, a wrest like a WWF wrestling game <laughs> off a friend, and like I think I swapped him for Mario for a while. Mm. And then I somehow ended up with another copy of Mario and then lost his wrestling thing. Oh, no. So I had to convince him that we should swap for keeps. <laughs> so I didn't have to find it. Oh, wow. This is like child diplomacy. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that was... I really... I think that was the first game that was, that had a sense of narrative. Like I mean, you know the okay. the the stuff about the um, the thief, you know, stealing gems and stuff. Like there there was a basic point to it, you know. There was it, it made sense in a sort of um, theoretical way, but you know there was no sort of any sense of narrative. Whereas I think that that was probably the first one that I played that had you know that there was a story that you needed to pay attention to. I mean, you know, obviously you don't, you're just trying to get through the levels and stuff, but it was there if you if you wanted to. And I yeah, that was that felt really new and interesting, I think. Hmm. Okay. Do you think that was the first game you were properly into? No. I'm well, hmm, I don't know, because when I like a game I do get obsessively into it so I think you can kind of say that about any game at all but I think the one that I properly fell in love with and this is such a cliche answer like that you can probably guess it do you want to guess it um I know I'm gonna struggle actually well maybe I'll try um No, because I can't imagine you playing Counter-Strike. And if I was going to guess anything, it would probably be Counter-Strike. Or maybe Warcraft 3. <laughs> I Don't did know. love Warcraft 3. Um, I played a lot of that at university while I was um, trying to uh, not do my dissertation. <laughs> right. um, no, the first game I got massively into was uh, Ocarina of Time. Oh, fucking hell. Are you me? Uh, might be. Sorry. but like so my brother was always the one that owned the consoles because the idea of spending that much money on a thing that Mm -hmm. kind of couldn't do anything else was always slightly terrifying to me like I think when the N64 came out it was like 250 quid in the UK and Mm. for me like at the time like I got 20 quid a month pocket money I think and so that was you know that was a year and a birthday of pocket money you know um Mm -hmm. and so the idea of like going without virtually everything else that would enable me to fit in like you know with friends and with school and you know just like being able to get the bus into town you know that kind of stuff filled me with horror but my brother actually sort of had the um willpower although you know like he would work out like okay so I've got a birthday here and Christmas is here and then I can like add this money together you know and he'd he'd actually work out how to do it and get the console and so um I always just sort of was at the mercy of things that he'd bought but Zelda like this was so because he owned the console he charged me to play on it I think I've told you this before um, yeah, I have a note about this in your interrogation <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and so like I would 
sort of need to choose carefully, really, in terms of games. Mm. And so can you imagine if he'd been in charge of, like, a gaming PC and I'd got into Dota? <laughs> can you? <laughs> Jesus, I'd be poor. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I got super into Zelda because I think I'd been sat on the sofa watching him do it and was, like, clearly backseat Zeldering and being super annoying. Yeah. Um, and so then it was a case of sort of doing it for myself and it is a game that I have gone back to again and again it's probably the one that I've completed the most times and also one of the few games that I've 100%ed and I've 100%ed it a few times yeah so yeah for sure and there are like I have favorite boss fights and that was the thing that always bothered me because like once you've done a boss fight you can't go back to the temple and do it again like you go back to the temple you go into the boss room and it's just empty and it's just it feels really sad like I wanted to be able to go and beat them again and again and again because I enjoyed the fights. that's one of my favorite bits of its design actually what that you can't yeah because for a start it makes you really want to play through that game again because the boss fights are incredible um but also many times i think (laughs) yeah um but also when you go back into those boss rooms because the first time you go in is very loud and scary and you have this massive fight Mm. and then the second time you go in it's just quiet and like it's a vast room and there's just nothing in it mm. and it's all it, it, it's progression and also it does feel quite sad and weird yeah. because like a lot of the things that you're fighting in zelda they're not like they've been corrupted they're not um mm-hmm. they weren't evil like there's the big spider and thing and it makes a point of it's not it wasn't necessarily evil, it's just been affected and now you've had to go in and kill it and it is quite sad. And the water as well, That that's a, like a corrupted thing as well, isn't it? Like the water's been poisoned and... Mm. Um, yeah, and I think you're right. Like it's, it's more just, I think, if there was a game where I would want to play the boss fights again and again, it would be Zelda and so that's, you know, like... Yeah. I guess that's a sort of a personal frustration, but I am, you know, it's never been to the point where I would like them to change it or to re-implement it it's more that i'd quite like them to build a separate game where i could just fight them again <laughs> and again and again yeah so yeah it's such a lovely game did you have a favorite yeah. temple um not really i think my i really like the forest temple as a noise like i think the thing with all the zelda temples is as you're going through them they can be quite frustrating um, but to like remember back to them and think of the design of them, they're, they're so good. Mm. Um, the Forest Temple was always excellent. Um, and also, uh, is that, wait, is that the same temple that has the twist in hallways or is that the Shadow Temple? Oh, the one where you, like, you go, the camera zooms into the end and then zooms yeah. back out and it's untwisted. Oh, I can't remember, yeah. I should know. And it changes the room as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why you're twisting. Um, I think that was, might be part of the Forest Temple. But also, um, the um, I really like the the Fire Temple. Mm-hmm. Both of the Fire Temples. The big one because uh, the song to, you, the song you play on the Ocarina to teleport to the big one is probably the best song in the game. Mm. And uh, and the first one because. Um, just the whole design and the build-up to that, where you're going through the, uh, the is it the Gorons? Mm. 
through their like village and stuff that's all set up really well yeah. uh, and then like you're throwing bombs into this giant skull yeah yeah it's just fantastic you throw them into the thing's eyes as well to open up his mouth don't you to get it. yeah that's right yeah. Mm. yeah it's such a it's such a beautifully designed game it's like the world size feels perfect as well like yeah. when you're riding around like i I, I really struggled when it came to Majora's Mask, actually, I think, because it just didn't feel quite right in some respects. Yeah, so did I. I've never finished Majora's Mask. I finished it, but I just didn't enjoy it, and I don't love it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, I've I finished... I think I might have even completed it, but, like, with all the masks and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just sort of... I didn't... And and the fact that the time travel thing was kind of interesting, but the fact that you lost all of your stuff when you did it and then had to spend your time rolling around the field just to get it back as like a Goron was just like... Mm -hmm. uh. Yeah, it didn't click for me. Like with all the the shape change and stuff, I didn't really get into um, the time travel stuff is just annoying. And Hyrule Field lost all of its character. It was kind of like a pale imitation, because like, I think they tried to like recreate a lot of what they had in Zelda, but sort of with like mirror kind of imagey things. Like, you know, yeah. you didn't have Navi, but you had Tattle, and you had, you know... And yeah, and fucking what was that about? He was so forget, annoying. Like, his, his sister fairy got kidnapped or sucked into some you know and, uh, and then the moon turns out to be evil and you're just like sorry spoilers you know from, i don't know 1998 <laughs> or whatever but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like it, it just it didn't feel quite right and and it's because they got it so right with zelda that there was then a comparison i think yeah which is fortunate for them i get there's probably not another game that i get so nostalgic for than mm. ocarina of time and I'll just uh, like every probably every couple of years, I just need to play it. And I don't tend to play it to completion, mm. but I just like need to get enough of the way through it to feel like I've got a Zelda fix for a while. Yeah, the music is beautiful as well. Like all of those mm. like little songs that you learn for your cleaner. Yeah, like there isn't a duff one amongst them. I don't think. No, I'm <laughs> my uh, wife bought me an ocarina for valentine's day actually i need to learn to play something on it oh i have an ocarina as well we just <laughs> totally read up <laughs> Mine's play yours? blue plastic one that my sister got from the early learning center i think mine's hold on i think mine's uh i think it's ceramic home, or put it's here hold on and it's blue <laughs> and it's zelda branded and it's uh i think it's, it's i think it's ceramic Oh wow! Can you actually play it now? See what no, you I can't play a single thing on it. They're really hard to play. I can't make my fingers do that many things at once. Uh, see, I used to play the recorder, so maybe it would be slightly more natural. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, although you'd find me trying to play the Zelda songs by using the Zelda like key presses on the ocarina, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. a disaster. <laughs> What is amazing, though, is the ocarina in that game was, I think, completely modelled. People just could just play songs on it. Mm, yeah, you could actually just, like, because um, you could get the ocarina out and then, you you know, you played the song and it would register if you played the right sequences of notes. But otherwise, you could just, like, jam away on your own if you wanted to. Yeah. Oh, that game. So charming. I, just, like, it has, I really love the Song of Storms. Yeah. 
That was brilliant. And you you get that as well by talking to the insane guy with the uh, what's it called the the thing that he turns and it makes the windmill go. Oh yeah, the um, oh, yeah. No, it doesn't yeah. make the windmill go. No, he, he's in the windmill and he's turning. He's his, playing his the thing, thing and then you play the song of storms and it makes the windmill go bonkers. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> God, there's so much in that game. <laughs> it's such a good game. It is such yeah, a good game. There's so much years. going on. I didn't even buy the damn thing. <laughs> it cost me so much money. <laughs> I've oh, bought that game so many times. Because I remember I had it for 64 and then I think I owned it. I owned three different versions of it on the GameCube mm. re-release. Yeah, well, they had the um, the uh, Master Sword thing, didn't they? Where it like they flipped it. Yeah. Like the mirror version. Did you play that? Master's Quest. Yeah, I completed Master's mm. Quest. It felt really weird. Because by that point, mm. I'd played it enough that I kind of knew the worlds by feel. And then it was suddenly like, ha, what, no? <laughs> and so it, it yeah. always felt weird to me. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. one of the only games that feels like home, I guess, in that yeah. weird respect. So, um, like, the yeah, the Master's Quest didn't do it for me because it just sort of that's not why I play the game. Like, I wasn't playing it for a challenge at that point. I was playing it because... I just loved it. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't think of a single bit of it that I didn't. I don't like. And like, I think the water temple gets a lot of slagging off. But I think it's just because it's difficult and you can drown a it's, lot in it. Well, I think it's because there's that one point, that one like cutscene where you've done something. You make um, the water level change, and it forces um, a, a piece of platform in that center. Uh, center column up and Mm. so like if you're paying attention to the cutscene, you should realize that you can sink down with the iron boots and actually walk through where it was like there's now a hole but otherwise like you end up thinking well okay a piece has floated up now what do I do with that uh-huh. And so I think that's where a lot of people got stuck. Mm. I mean, I know I did for ages, and I was just like tramping around in my iron boots, going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then as soon as I realized what had happened, I was like, oh, that's really smart. And then the second time I played through, I twigged that the cutscene tells you, but mm-hmm. like that's the only thing in the game that I think is not necessarily clear enough. Mm. Because I think that's partly why the Water Temple just has a bad reputation. Yeah, probably. What's the boss in the Water Temple? It's the um, that amoeba. That's like so. There's um, a room with lots of little square platform islands, and uh, then in the water that surrounds them, there's like a little amoeba that floats around, and at points it floats up and makes like a tendril out of the water that smacks you on if you're not paying attention and you oh, have to hook shot all. it out of the water and then mm. slash it to death okay and then it bounces around for a while <laughs> oh, i remember that it's like a little brain in the water <laughs> mm. i want oh. to play zelda i know shall we just fuck off and go play ocarina <laughs> sorry to <Tom, laughs> yeah. <we're> <laughs> this is why you should never just leave us alone <laughs> Oh man, yeah, no. Uh, what's the next question? Like before, I just 
turn this off and <laughs> boot up any Nintendo thing I own. Um, okay, next question is, uh, if you could choose a game or a couple of games that you think shaped, like directly shaped your um, current interests, what would they be? Oh, wow. Um, do you have an answer to this? Yes. I'd be interested in hearing yours while I think about mine. Okay. Um, I think the biggest one... Well, there's two, I think, and they are um, Commandos and also Outcast. Mm. Do you remember those? No, I, they're not ones I've played or that I got into. Okay. Um, Commandos is... Uh, it's like an RTS, but you only... Um, you only control four people, mm. or or four or five, um, and it's set in World War Two. And you 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 control in this small group of commandos, and you, they have a little mission to do, like go and uh, infiltrate this German base and uh, blow up a submarine or destroy a dam or something like that. Mm. And each commando is a completely different class, so they have different skill sets. So like you have a Green Beret who just has like a knife and a pistol, but he's really strong, and then you'll have. Uh, a marine who can like go and scuba and um uh, uh drive sailboat what is it rowboats i suppose um and then like you'd get a spy and a sapper and stuff like that and so you'd have to figure out then how to do this mission and it was brutal because each person could only really get shot once and then they'd be dead and if you lost any of them your mission would fail mm. um so I think that got me into, like, I can see in that a lot of things that I really like now, like um, stealth and a lot of planning and preparation. And then if you fucking up either dealing with it on the spot very quickly mm. or being killed because you've not prepared properly and you don't have a plan. Um, and it's a shame that they don't make that sort of thing anymore. Like, if I, I guess the closest thing I can think to it is um, XCOM. Mm. But that played in real time. So there'd be that, and then Outcast was... I can't believe you never played Outcast. <laughs> um, it was like, it's a big open world thing, and you but you play as uh, a guy that's had to go into like this alien world and recover, and like find two of your friends that got sucked through basically Stargate mm. there. Um, but it's huge, and then, you, but all of the aliens can talk English, or you have a translator or something. Mm. So, um, it reminds me a lot of um, Elder Scrolls stuff, really, because you go and you get a lot of side missions and things to do, and like you trade, and then there's a lot of guards that you have to dodge, and that has like stealth mechanics in it, or you can just you can shoot them, um, and then you know, occasionally you come across like big bosses that you'd have to kill and, and whatever. Um, that was fantastic and that was one of the first I think PC games that I ever really got exposed to because one of my friends had a gaming PC mm. uh, so I'd go around his house so pretty much any opportunity to play well that and also um, Hidden and Dangerous mm. which I really miss as well which is like another uh, control for people but that was like third person um, I guess it was like a third-person commandos, really, in that you'd get a mission and you had to go and do your thing, and it, and that was very hard. Mm. So probably, like, I could pretty much draw a line between those games combined and then, like, 
well that and Ocarina and then I can see like Dark Souls and Thief um, and Elder Scrolls and all of those I can see a direct line from those games mm. yeah no that makes sense I think for me there are games that sort of exemplify bits of my own personality like if there are games that require a sort of obsessive repetition, like that's a mm. thing that I like in a game, which, you know, obviously I appreciate doesn't appeal to everybody, but, you know, it's it's why I got massively into Tetris. It's why I absolutely love um, Zookeeper. It's, you know, it, it's why I like the little weird, boring games, like, like you know, the planetary mining that you do in Mass Effect, in the Mass Effect in mm. Mass Effect 2 like because there's a thing that I can 100% and sort of like it's a repetitive action it's not necessarily a game as such but it's part of the game mm-hmm. and so I sort of I I quite like that and I think I, I like collecting things I like um, like <laughs> I tried to complete Animal Crossing <laughs> like Right. And I appreciate that that's not necessarily the right mentality to have with Animal Crossing. <laughs> but, like, you know, it meant a lot to me to, uh, like, on the GameCube version, to get all of the beetles and all of the um, fossils and all of the fish and to, like, complete the furniture sets and things like that and to pay off my mortgage. And it got to the point where I'd finished my own mortgage and it really bothered me that the other people who were living in my town like who were friends and who had sort of stopped playing the game because I was monopolizing the game (laughs) um it bothered me that they hadn't finished so I I paid off their mortgage (laughs) and yeah like but except um so if you uh pay off your mortgage first you get a gold statue next to the train station and so I lovingly planted flowers all around mine like really nice tulips and then everyone else's like bronze and silver or whatever they all had like trash that I'd (laughs) fished and, and didn't want like you know it was like old cans and old boots and stuff like all around there uh, so yeah and that's a, another sort of like thing that persists to the present day like it's why I got massively into like there was a color matching game that was you know um that I got really into and it was like I, I desperately wanted to 100% this thing mm. and I yeah like because it was so simple that I felt like there must be a solution and I don't quite get the same thing with like with strategy games I didn't quite get it with um Command and Conquer or with um with the Warcraft series because they were always slightly more complicated and and like you could obviously you could um use tactics and 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 uh, build up your armies and and build up your uh, infrastructure and then win based on the back of that but it it felt slightly too messy sometimes mm-hmm. like i really like when you just are that good at something that you can do a perfect run on it right and so yeah there have been games where like you know when when something tells you that you've done a perfect combo like mm-hmm. I will just try and like Donkey Konga. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like my hands hurt so badly because um I there were a few songs where I just I got to the point where I think I managed it once, um, just like getting through with a perfect on everything. Yes. But that that mattered to me. <laughs> I I totally get that. 
scared. Um, I was worried that this was like a monologue on how broken I was. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I don't feel the need to complete stuff. Like I, I don't generally have an interest in like making the thing say a hundred percent. But for optimizing things and like mm. i get a, a kick out like theme hospital is a good example of this and wanting to make it so that it ran itself yeah and um i, I get the same thing with um racing games on mm. like just wanting to optimize lap times because that's that's what they're about for the most part yes i had it with the um like, I, I couldn't just live with the bronze trophy or whatever it was that you yeah. got for, like, Gran Turismo 3. Like, and that is, I think that's one of the only times I have actually thrown a controller with anger <laughs> was the, um, is it the license requirements for that? Mm. Like, and when you just miss it by, I don't know, two hundredths of a second. Yes. Or, like, you'd miss gold by two hundredths of a second, and it was just the most frustrating thing, but it would tap into that part of me that was like, I know I can do this if I just yeah. chain up the the reaction times just right. Yep. Yeah, I had the... Ex- I was going through that process the other day with the set of Corsa, and, like, I was <laughs> fighting for point two of a second. Oh, man. And it was ridiculous. Actually... I don't have a game's origin story for racing games, but I do have a real-world origin story for why I got into racing games. Oh, wow. Yeah, go on. Um, I, my day job is uh, doing IT for a place that... Um, they're a gift retailer, mm. and they sell uh, experience days. And one of those... And so they they get those experience days through a single company. Mm. And they used to, every year, that big company take all their resellers out to Silverstone for the day. Mm. And um, they'd hire the circuit, or at least like a small circuit off to the side of it, mm. and put on this huge fucking cars experience day for these resellers. Mm. And one year I did a load of integration work with them, so I managed to get myself on it. <laughs> just accidentally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it, like, it just so happened. You just slipped and fallen into your car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, like, I went to this this thing at Silverstone, um, and in that day, like, I got to drive, uh, like, a, a Renault Megane touring car, and then a Lotus Exige, and then a Ferrari 430 around this track, and like something just clicked because, like, I'd had I like a reasonable interest in racing games before like i think i played grid and stuff like that but mm-hmm. never really i play them like you do now right so you just like <laughs> trick it around with a pad and not bothered crash into everybody it's not a problem yeah you see you say that now but it's because i'm aware of how i can get when facing <laughs> <laughs> well like, like i get it with gran turismo right like yeah that can totally hook you on doing licenses and stuff but i know full well that if i put you in a racing gran turismo you would still fucking crash into everybody to get into first in the first corner oh yeah no that would be happening right. yeah okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And th- so yeah, then doing that and having like I remember um, driving this Lotus and the, like having this driving instructor next to me who was like this ex racing driver, um, just like telling me how to like optimize the line and where to drive over curbs and stuff like this to go as fast as I could, mm. and like fucking hell, everything just got changed. And then like suddenly it was like I got into F1 and then 
realized how well the PC could simulate it. Mm. And then from there, just like got into going to racing sims. So when you play racing sims, do you still like go back to the advice that that person gave you on that day? Yeah, it oh, was. Wow. It translates like a, a big. I don't. I've never come across anything that has translated so well between real world and uh, simulation mm. because it's the same principles and it's the same well it's very similar inputs into what you're doing on like on your pretend steering wheel and pretend pedals to what you would need to do on a car Mm. and they do it to the point where like they put people they've taken people that are very good at sims and put them in real cars and they've been good at it yeah like they can do lap times yes yeah that doesn't surprise me but yeah I mean, obviously, you wouldn't expect me to behave the same in, in a real car as I do on the track. <laughs> maybe I should go on one of these experience days. Yeah, maybe. Mm. There's one, I've noticed that they sell one where you get to drive um, a Formula One car. Ooh. But it's like 1,600 quid. Oh. But I really fucking want to do it. Could you not, like, integrate with them? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It's the same seller. I could probably get it. it cost price but they're still going to be like a grand for a day out (laughs) totally worth it for the next 30 years of your gaming life you know (laughs) it's practice until we get hover cars yeah (laughs) then everything changes (laughs) (laughs) does it serve you well in like uh games that aren't necessarily that's serious you know like so it works for Assetto Corsa and it works for GT and stuff like that but does it also work for um like Sonic racing and stuff like that. I mean, I'm assuming that the basic positioning still makes sense because obviously you're trying to shave off time and, you know, physics is physics. Um, Sonic racing, no, because you don't use the brakes in Sonic racing. Oh, it's yeah. all just like mental drift and then fire a lightning bolt. <laughs> but um, in uh, like Grand Theft Auto mm. and stuff like that, where. Mm you know, it's cars and they have modelled, you know, sort of how a car is meant to work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That's interesting. I think anyway. It's it's you know, it is context. So it depends how well they've modeled the cars and whatever. But uh, yeah, generally, I think. And definitely between racing games, like it's all you know, I can jump between racing games pretty fucking well, especially when a lot of them use the same tracks, which are real-world tracks, which I now have committed to memory completely. <laughs> so, yeah. Shall I give you your next question? Gosh, yes. This is this is interesting. I don't know if it's interesting for people listening. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I Maybe so. nobody's there now. <laughs> Maybe they've all gone to play Zelda. Who <laughs> <laughs> could blame them? I know. They came back to check what we were talking about. They're like, oh, no, now I want to do some racing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. You went from fashion writing to games writing. I did. How did that happen? What, you mean it's not a logical progression? (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is this, a job interview? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, yeah, like, well, I sort of accidentally ended up in fashion in the first place. Um, Because, like, I'd 
previously been working at Digital Spy, so I was doing entertainment news, mm. um, and I would also do bits of uh, games news cover and stuff like that if they needed. So I guess that, without the fashion bit in the middle, I guess that would probably make a bit more sense. But um, yeah, I uh, went to AOL to do social media for them, and then ended up doing some like news articles and, and they liked them and so I ended up doing more and more sort of celebrity and fashion stuff um, but there would be odd bits where my interest in gaming would sort of impact that because like I booked a week off in November once just as holiday and my editor was just like the hell nobody books a week off in November what are you doing what is this what's going on and I was like look right so there's a game called Skyrim that's coming out and I just want to sit at home in my pants and play it, all right? And she was just like, right, you are going to sit down and tell me what a Skyrim is. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> and then um, at other points, like, she would overhear me talking to, because uh, it was in the same office as the Huffington Post, um, and so I was friends with the guy who ran the tech section. And so I'd be talking to him about, like, board games and about... Um, something that had just come out on Steam and then like I hadn't realised that she was listening and then like he went back to his desk and she was just like you're going to sit there and you're going to tell me what a Steam key is (laughs) 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 so um, yeah like I was still obviously playing stuff in the background but because um, uh, fashion is like like fashion and entertainment news uh, is is quite all-encompassing you know you sort of have to keep an eye on evening mm. events and red carpet stuff and fashion week takes over like a whole month each six months and you know ruins your weekends and things like that so it it didn't allow for the sort of I guess like you know 40 hour game stuff to happen very regularly so I'd sort of dip in or watch other people play stuff and sort of, you know, play like little bouts of multiplayer and stuff like that. And then um, I decided to leave fashion to do things that I was more interested in, like freelance. Like I went to Wired to do um, like news for them, just general news. And then gradually they realised that I really liked games and, and knew about games. And so... Uh, sort of funneled me into doing that and I met um, Chris from PC Gamer and he suggested that I submit some things to them um, just we were chatting down the pub I think you were there actually it was after Eurogamer mm. except I hadn't been to Eurogamer I'd been to talk to that astronaut about growing peas in space <laughs> and I'd come along afterwards because it was a friend's birthday and I was just like oh hello and everyone was like oh we're all talking about games and we've been playing games all day what have you been doing I was like I've been hanging out with an astronaut. <laughs> That's loads more interesting than games. Why? Why have you gone that way? <laughs> well, you know, you can't meet an astronaut every day, I guess. Um, I suppose. He was really cool. He was the first guy. Uh, he was the guy who had changed out the, um, or like had had uh, fixed the operating system on the Hubble Space Telescope so that mm. it fuck up when the Millennium bug, you oh, know, wow. when the Millennium uh, happened. Um, but yeah, so he was telling us about like how to grow peas in space and that you have, like they have bee sticks and I still like, I felt like he must have been trolling me, but he had like pictures of them and they seemed like properly legit. They were like just 
kind of toothpick sized things I think with like just like a fluffy dead bee on the end that they'd use to pollinate the the peas what? pea flowers so yeah that was that was the thing that's weird <laughs> I know um what what why would they need to take a bee surely look I got in contact with NASA afterwards to verify this they have still have not got back to me <laughs> two years ago um the press department were like yeah sure send over your questions and then like nothing <laughs> so maybe they're like oh shit she knows about the bees <laughs> cut her off <laughs> um but yeah so that was that was really cool and they have to like implant the um the plant specimens into special like growing stuff because you can't really use soil because obviously it's like this loose stuff that can escape and like fuck up material and fuck up um equipment and stuff like that so yeah like it was super interesting actually Um, yeah that sounds awesome yeah and then i met you guys and talked about ftl and other things um yeah just sort of chatted and accidentally got myself freelance work <laughs> which yeah the story of my life i guess um i've actually written about fashion uh, in terms of games like i wrote a special feature for pc gamer about it mm. well my next question was going to be how as um an interest in fla- fashion influenced your taste in games hmm i'm not hmm I think it's kind of, it is interesting, but people don't necessarily do many interesting things with fashion in games a lot of the time. Like, often you get um, costumes that are more to do with the trope that someone is trying to feed into, or like a, a time scale. Like, it's only, it, it's not as often that you get something like Deus Ex, uh, Human Revolution, that will properly, like go into fashion history and Mm. and sort of actually actively create you know mood boards and investigate high fashion and things like that you know like I'm not saying that other people don't do it and aren't aware of it but it's it's that like I think a lot of the time um or you know like certainly with casual games that people are sort of putting out for for reasons that aren't necessarily the aesthetic it's more the the mechanic or you know things like that it, it it's not a priority and so mm-hmm. fashion is maybe less important there in that sort of direct way but then again you know it's still to do with how we choose to um present ourselves to people and the identity that we're creating so you know like you can also think about it in terms of the games that people choose to let other people see that they're playing mm. Like, you know, if you've got a game that you're not playing, that that you're playing but isn't on Steam, you know, whether or not you choose to add it to that so people can see what you're playing. Do you have any games on Steam that you turn Steam friends off before you launch? <laughs> Let me just have a little look on my... Um... <laughs> there aren't any... Like, I never turn Steam friends off. I Sometimes I set myself to offline, but that's more to do with if I don't want to be disturbed... Mm-hmm. Um, or like I I really need to concentrate on something um, yeah like I don't think I have anything like that I think because I do actually play Candy Crush and you know things like that every now and again like I've never given it money and I, I'm very aware of the ideological and, and sort of moral problems surrounding it 
mm-hmm. but at the same time like I you know I have played it and I've tried to make myself aware of it but I think I would have probably been a bit oh I wish this wasn't broadcasting what I was playing <laughs> to all of my friends you know I, but I think that's more to do with the fact that there are some games where when you're playing them you sort of want an extra status box to say yeah but I'm playing it because I have to review it or I know I just just stop judging me or like no it's a really good game hear me out (laughs) so yeah I think there's there's maybe a few like that but um (laughs) Cara I had to play um Dead Island Riptide with Cara and because um, she needed uh, people to help her out with the uh, like, you know, just testing out the multiplayer mm-hmm. stuff. And at that point, I really wished that there was an option on Steam where you could add like an extra. <laughs> Hear me out, you guys. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you? Games that I'd turn off. Um, no, I don't think so. No, mm. I'm completely open and honest with my complete games collection <laughs> fair enough but yeah so did that answer your your fashion question um yeah but i'm going to add that uh <laughs> i actually really wish that uh games did a bit more at least considering well maybe not so much fashion but at least for aesthetics it's that they're not... doing because i find game like most of game characters so very very boring because it, they're either just like military or it's post-apocalypse and there's nothing like the, deus ex is a really good example that was added such an interesting aesthetic to it and i think it gave a lot of interest to the game mm. um and that doesn't happen nearly enough yeah yeah so maybe you should go consulting <laughs> maybe but it, maybe like uh, you know games like I think Assassin's Creed could do more when it comes to fashion. Yeah, I, I think Assassin's Creed yeah. is not a bad example. It's though. not terrible. It's not terrible at all. I think maybe it's more to do with like the fact that I get very bored very quickly with Assassin's Creed. Mm. And yes. so, like, in a weird way, I'm just looking for something to keep me engaged. And mm-hmm. so it, it's unfair that I then think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe if it was more interesting in another respect, I'd stay. But I think that's, yeah, I think that's actually fair. Like, I'm I'm just loading a disappointment from elsewhere onto that game. So, yes, yeah. strike that's... from the record, that was unfair. <laughs> it, well, it is a bad game, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, aesthetically, it's probably more interesting. But now, that, I don't know, I'd say it used to be, at least, but now it's just gone pirate. But I, oh, I fell in love with the like sea shanties and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. was super awesome. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm expecting really from it. I think I need to think that through and, and, and get back to you, if anything. I think, you know, maybe, like I said, it's just a reflection of a, a different sort of sense of, uh, yeah, it's an Assassin's Creed game. I think, you know, maybe I'm just looking for something that's, that's unfair. But, um, like... Oh, what was I going to say? I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was fascinating. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, well, so a lot of games use fashion as the, the point of money making as well. Like, right. it's that sense of, so fashion is about sort of defining yourself and sort of uh, creating a, 
a version of yourself that you want to show to the world or to yourself and sort of, you know. And so with a game like Dota, like the heroes that you play, I mean, you know, whether or not you you identify with them personally, you're still sort of um, creating an aesthetic that you like or that you think Mm -hmm. is appropriate to the the values or the, the personality that you've put on the hero or, you know, just you know what you want to to do with it and so but that's the the point at which money comes into the equation mm-hmm. and so i think quite that a lot of shows... money isn't it Pip? yeah mm, <laughs> the point that i was going to make though is <laughs> that uh it sort of shows that that there is an understanding that that is a a, a valuable uh thing in people's lives that that fashion is not without merit and not you know the fact that video games can game it and mm-hmm. can use it to as a as a very big source of revenue is you know sort of by the by and and sort of sometimes distracts from that basic concept see but, that makes it i've never um really thought about it as that manipulative before but i suppose it is um <laughs> Because you're right in that people, like especially when you're investing so much time into something, I think you would put a lot of stock into um, wanting to portray yourself in a certain way. So, yeah, maybe that's why people spend £120 on Dota hats. Just to pluck a number out <laughs> of the air, was that crazy? Was that? Mm. Just, you know... <laughs> It's a rough estimate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, all I'm saying is that 50% of this podcast uh-huh. has spent £120 on Dota hats. So maybe that's <laughs> representative or maybe it isn't. Well, mm, maybe I'm just like, maybe working in fashion has meant that I, I prioritise those things and has made me more susceptible to the, to the hat economy. I don't think so, though. Like, I think I just, yeah, like... I don't know. Um, but yeah. How much time do you spend choosing a Dota hat? Well, probably not as much time as I should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's because the, um, the the actual individual items tend not to be very expensive. And especially if you pick them up on the marketplace, they just kind of cost pennies. And so it's more to do with which ones you actually want and which ones you think that you'll like use like I don't buy anything that I think is ugly regardless of like whether it would complete a set or not right like I really don't like that so sometimes it makes more sense financially to buy the whole set and then just ignore the bits you don't like but I you know like that aspect of completionism doesn't come in and it does feel like more close to the fashion that I think of as it comes closer to how I think of as actual fashion you know it's sort of taking different inspirations and different elements and combining them to create a look that you are proud of and that you are you know that you want other people to see because the you know part of it is that you are going out onto the field of play and people will see your hero and you know there will be some kind of response Mm -hmm. and you know even if that's just your own response, you know, just being pleased or more um, willing to spend time with that person or time with right. the character. Mm. And also feeling a sense of ownership as well. You know, like, 
there's these sort of uh, otherwise they're all just these identikit things that you just play with you know you just pick off the shelf and go okay well I'll play with this toy at the moment but if it's if there's a way to make it your toy yeah then that that feels like you can become more invested in the game as well mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, I totally get that um, I think I both get it and hate it <laughs> because um, I can totally get suckered into buying to, into that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but actually, no, I don't. Do you do it get... for racing games? Like, do you do up your car in any particular way, or is it purely for utility? Um, I don't play any racing games where that's an option. Right. Um, just because they don't. It's just not a thing in Sims, really. Like, um, I don't know how Gran Turismo and stuff handle it now, but it's generally, like, you just buy a car. You don't buy paint schemes or anything like that. Mm. I think people wouldn't moan too much. Yeah. Okay. But I think I would potentially... I don't know. I would both want to buy and completely resent buying, like, suits for all of my FPS characters ever. Mm. Because I you kit out your guns though. Yes, I did spend one pound fifty to rename my pistols to the Wang Bangers. And why? But, but why was that though? Why? Yeah. Because, um, well, because we were all playing it, and I knew it'd get a laugh, and it was worth one pound fifty for that. <laughs> Fair enough. But like, I just you buy my the jokes. color of your weapons and things like that, like just to to please yourself or. Um, no, not if it costs money because I find that. No, I don't because I. I don't know. I don't get any satisfaction out of that. Um, yeah. And like you say, it's not. Um, it's not like a, a, it's not an image. Like the color of my gun is not an image that I'm trying to mm. portray. But like, if there was a stealth suit or something like that, I'd probably be drawn to it. But then I wouldn't, I couldn't bring myself to spend money on it, I don't think. Mm. Because I'd feel like I was getting nickel and dime. Okay. Fair enough. Like, those, um, like I've talked to people a little about fashion when it comes to games. I should probably do it more, but I've, at the preview events that I've been to, it's tended not to be games where that aspect was important or, you know, like important enough to talk to and, you know, lose a couple of minutes of the rest mm-hmm. of the discussion but um like i was talking to anthony birch at the uh preview of a borderlands 2 dlc um the tiny tina's assault on dragon keep um okay. and so uh he was telling me about like there's a quest in that where um there's a character called ellie i think and she's um like you can choose whether or not to give her like functional actual armor that was going to protect her or princess leia slave armor which is like the stuff (sighs) that you tend to get in you know like it's it's like what um mobas sort of tend to give you you know like in smite you get like you know something that barely covers a nipple um and so like if you give her the character armor that actually works she likes you and if you put her in slave leia armor she's like really grumpy and pissed off and you know it was just it it's nice that there was the acknowledgement of that as like you know this is 
something that it doesn't you know it doesn't ruin the game it doesn't you know like it i don't think it gives you massive benefits or negatives either way i think it's more just that she doesn't like you particularly um Mm -hmm. but it it's it's nice that sometimes people are actually sort of noticing those things and and trying to do something different with them yes i um that's actually one of my one of the best things about dark souls i think in that all of the armor stuff is completely functional mm. and it makes no concessions for it it both makes no concessions for aesthetic but then at the same time the aesthetic becomes perfect because everything is what it looks like mm. like if you have um you can end up running around in like really tattered rags and stuff and look a complete mess mm. and that is how they'll function but at the same time they're very light yeah um, so it makes sense. So everything like looks correct and it functions as it should. But at the same time, like there is pretty stuff, but then it'll be either very heavy or it'll be from like it's not belonging to the world really. Mm. So that's really interesting, I think. So the yeah, like the armor and the well, the basically the fashion in Dark Souls is more to do with like setting your character difficulty almost um or setting the difficulty of the experience it's setting the playstyle that you want to do so mm. if you get i mean like all the heavy armor is very functionally made apart from mm. um bits that you would take off people that were obviously in a position of privilege and money and then they'll have more mm. decorative stuff but at the same time it probably won't be as good because it's yeah. made concessions for being decoration yeah so it doesn't think that you can or do you think the game thinks that you can't marry form and function then um no because there is there are a couple of of sets which are incredibly nice and also very very functional um but Mm. then there was also bits that are obviously decorative and like the one by like the top tier like commanders um Mm. And they still wear them now, and they're obviously, uh, but they're like they have like um, lion helms and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely more form over function. And then there'll be other people which is is completely the other way. Like they're obviously fighters, but they had no no money to access that sort of thing. But they still got very good armor. Mm, yeah, I think like the thing that has really struck or has stuck with me from fashion into games is just yeah like that feeling of people personalizing things and sort of presenting them to other people so even when you know like a game isn't um you know like basically even if the game's own actual clothing isn't particularly interesting sometimes like people can customize other things like their home in the game or you know they can you know, like, change the environment in interesting ways, or, like, pick the... Even just picking the screenshots that they share online, it sort of says a lot Mm. about how they want to project themselves. And obviously that just sort of feeds more into identity, but fashion is so closely linked with identity and who you want people to think that you are Uh that I guess it's sort of... It's a very closely related concept. That's really interesting. (laughs) <laughs> like <Yay! laughs> and also terrifying 
like incredibly <laughs> self-conscious now about anything that I ever say anywhere well I'm just the worst because like I even started a um like a collection of images which were basically game screen sh- screenshots that I would then have to upload to uh, an image uh, hosting site and then download onto my phone and then run them through Instagram in like the most achingly hipster like game travelogue ever yeah. you know um but I'm you know I sort of uh, took a break from it just because I haven't really had the time to go back to it and my phone isn't uploading um pictures properly but um yeah like that's another thing like it was it was to do with it, it again it's sort of not necessarily directly related to fashion but it was more to do with uh expressing something of being inside the game where I didn't feel that just a straight screenshot would express it like you know trying to sort of there's a bit in um towards the very beginning of uh Call of Duty Ghosts where you sort of uh, are going through you know like just a, a landscape that's been um damaged by war and uh stuff like that and and there's like a uh like a church that's sort of falling uh, off a cliff you know it's, it looks so precarious and so I sort of took a picture of that because it was um you know it's just a moment of oh okay you know this is it, it's sort of beautifully designed and it was kind of you know it was kind of like that sort of ruin tourism mm. um but you know and, and sort of running it through Instagram or running it through something I can't remember if it was Instagram it allowed me to um put it in a sort of, you know, like a, a nostalgic kind of black and white yeah. uh, I guess it, it, aspect that would actually explain to people the feeling that I had being in that yeah. game. Yeah, like I say, I guess it gives it more of a sense of, like, you have been there and experienced that than what a screenshot with a hood would do. Because mm, if I'd just taken that screenshot and shared it, like, anybody could have done that. I mean, admittedly, they'd be from, like, slightly different angles yeah. or whatever, but... I feel like it wouldn't necessarily have displayed anything of what the experience of playing mm-hmm. or being in that environment was. And so I've been sort of trying to do that a little bit, like, you know, doing it a bit with Dota or doing it a bit with, yeah, um, other games and sort of seeing uh, what I can do or, like, you know, using overlays um, to uh, match a game or uh, to marry a game uh, scenario with something, a picture of something from the real world or a texture from the real world. Mm. So, yeah, there's, like, bits and pieces that I think maybe better explain your experience of a game or your relationship with a character, and some of that is clothes and in-game hats. And, yes, (laughs) £120 worth of in-game hats. But also, there's a, a little bit of just, you know, this is the game that I played and the feelings that I had without necessarily writing a thousand words in a review about mm-hmm. it. Fair yeah. enough. I'm out of interrogation questions now. Are you? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, I had uh, one or two. Okay. Um, which, uh, one of them was um, about, because obviously you have a son, and was wondering uh, what it was like watching him get to grips with games and how different that was to your own memories and sort of whether you've tried to, I, I guess, manage his experiences or expose him to particular types of games that you remembered liking or, yeah. Yeah, it's been, um, 
it's been really interesting actually um because uh it's been it was very different to mine because um my dad wasn't interested in them at all um i think we only ever like probably played them together like a handful of times whereas me and him play them regularly like we're not long finished uh, monkey island 2 together and also uh, brothers mm. tale of two sons and yeah. we get a lot out of doing that so he's um he's definitely like experiencing games that are, are the, the the kids at his school will not be playing right now which i think is great mm-hmm. um and as a product of that, he picks them up incredibly quickly. Um, like he, he was playing. Um, he's really into Pokemon right now, actually. Um, and he mm. just like he, he's plowing through them, and at a rate that I never ever did. Um, and I don't <laughs> know if that's partly because he has more access to them because. When I was his age, I probably had like a Game Boy and Tetris and Mario, and that was about it. Whereas he has like this my complete archive. Um, so he plays them a lot more, and I think he's a lot more interested in them than what what I was at his age as well. And then, which I think is great because uh, it's obviously something that I'm very interested in, and I think is culturally significant as long as he's playing the right games like like he plays a lot of um lego batman and stuff and i sort of wish that he wouldn't because like he really (laughs) enjoys them and like i can't have him playing like you know brother stuff like brothers all the time um but mm. then at the same time like i seem a, a bit of a waste of a time but then he really enjoys like flying around as superman and collecting stuff so whatever um yeah it's very different <laughs> but at the same time i think he's um he gets a lot more out of it now than what i did when i was his age mm. okay and so are there any games that he's not ready for yet but you're super looking forward to showing him um yeah there's quite a lot um but then i don't know if he's ever going to be interested enough because they're old like uh, okay. um I'd really like him to play Ocarina of Time. Mm. And we started playing it together, but it's not, I don't think it's a game that you can really play together. It didn't work. Um, because, and I don't know if that's mentioned because I knew exactly what to do. And mm. also, it's quite like fiddly with combat and stuff. Um, yeah. So, and also, I get bored just watching him play it because he's seven and he's really fucking frustrating to watch being bad at games. <laughs> uh, so like, I'd, I'd really like him to play Ocarina of Time. When he's older, I'd really like him to play Dark Souls, but I don't know if he ever will. Mm. Um, just because by then it's going to be an old game and it would... And I... I don't know if he'd be into games enough to to be bothered about heritage mm. or if it'd just be like um like i went back to system shock 2 not long ago and why you can see that it was a very good game i think it's a very good game of its time and it's not it, they don't age to standard now having said that i've gone back and i've started playing the original thief and i'm really enjoying mm. that and like 
after a while the the blockiness of the graphics sort of fades oh. out yeah absolutely i think thief um is can, i think there are exceptions right and i think thief can be one of them in that they age the the mechanics still hold very well mm. and i think dark souls well but it's so hard to call now yeah. of what it's going to feel like in 10 years yeah yeah um i think like they're the main ones and like I'd, I'd quite like him to get into something like Elder Scrolls mm. but you know when he's older there'll be a new Elder Scrolls and it just won't be worth going back to, to ones from now mm. um, what I'm hoping most of all though is that he gets really into racing games that we can race together because that would be amazing Oh, that would be really good oh can you imagine though if he got into Counter Strike and we just spent our time being absolutely kicked by him <laughs> Like, because he'll have his young person. Yeah, he'll be really good at it. And, like, you know, his, like, unarthritic fingers. And he'll just be able to shoot me in the face constantly. (laughs) Oh. I'm dreading that. I'm dreading, like, I really hope that he doesn't get into, um, like, Call of Duty and stuff. Like, just waste of time shooters. Mm. Um, And, you know, he probably will. And I remember being really into GoldenEye and playing that like with mates and that was well i suppose uh, you know i do can't strike now yeah it <laughs> is but also like is that just what call of duty is now um but then i play can't strike and like i think with games like that it's more about it's more the social thing than actually playing a good game which is fair enough that's why i play can't strike yeah um but you know i just hope that it doesn't just get into bad games which could happen mm. yeah maybe i'm worrying too much well, I don't know. I have it with like younger friends as well because my friend Matt, like I was just like, hey, do you want to play Smite? I'm, you know, playing it for work. Mm. Um, and so he did. And then like during the game, I could hear him just go, oh, okay. And then this does this. And then this does this. <laughs> and then like, he shows up and kills someone. And I'm just like, hey, I wish I could <laughs> introduced you to this. And like, you know, I'm just like back at base because I've died a few more times. I'm just like, look, I was playing a new character. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> damn young people <laughs> the fact that they don't have to do a job and they can just play video games <laughs> i mean okay playing video games is my job but <laughs> it's a man <laughs> but yeah oh man that's cool i don't think i have like any other particular questions because the thing is like your progression in terms of games has been like relatively straightforward i guess like you know enjoying playing them and then gaming daily and then and then all that yeah i think it's changed probably most drastically in the last couple of years Mm. for sure but it's just it's all been like very natural progression i think what's the what the changes well i just have a lot less patience now and i don't know if that's because of having um less time Mm. Like, I don't just have days to throw away on video games. So, I'm le- like, if something's bad or not incredibly good, then I'd rather just drop it than persevere with it. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, I do end up putting days and days into what I find is worthwhile. Yeah. Like, when it comes to, like, if, if there's a good racing game or it's uh, Dark Souls or something like that, then it's, like, it's hundreds of hours gone. But the amount of games that I'll actually play for that amount of time is far less. Mm, yeah. So it's like, it's maybe similar amounts of gaming, but spread across fewer titles. 
yeah, like I'd rather be into something than play. I th- and I think I think that was a byproduct though, also of coming out of reviewing games. Mm. Um, because the thing that really pissed me off with that was having to play games that you didn't like. Mm. Um, and then also when it was games that I did like, it, I could, I didn't feel that I could get into them because playing that for that amount of time meant that I wasn't playing something new that I should know about. Mm. But the moment that I stopped caring about that, that changed, and then suddenly it was it was more invested into things that are worthwhile. Yeah. Are you, is there anything uh, on your immediate horizon that you're super excited about? Dark Souls Two. Well, obviously Dark Souls Two. I thought you know other than Dark Souls. <laughs> that's. <laughs> is that well, literally it? <laughs> this, um, for this year. Yeah, I think so. Like, there's a couple of games I'm looking forward to being completed, like uh, Prison Architect, yeah. uh, Projects on Board, Mayor. But then I'm so fucking excited about Dark Souls 2. It's ridiculous. Like, I booked the day off work to play it. <laughs> I, I, I just can't wait for it. I, I've blocked any mention of Dark Souls on fucking every social media thing that I can. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're definitely not reading Rich's, like, uh, pieces about it. <laughs> no. I don't even know that he's done anything because I can't see it. Like, I don't see any mention of it from Twitter. There's nothing on Reddit. Uh, see. I think people were complaining, like, about spoilers having read his Dark Souls 2 stuff. I was just like, but really? <laughs> um, well, I actually created uh, a document that me and uh, a couple of other people that are doing the same thing signed. Mm. to say that we're not going to read anything we're not going to watch any trailers or do anything and when the game's out we're not going to check any wikis the only way that we can find out bits about the game is talking to each other and we'll be in a vacuum oh that's really cool how many of you are there um i think there's four of us okay it's a part of the document is that we can't have more than five people and so what are you going to just like discuss it in the document or like you know just on chat or whatever or um chat and stuff is fine yeah um, so whatever way works, that's all. That's all fine. We're just not allowed to talk to anybody else about it in any sort of way. <laughs> that sounds yeah. That sounds like a fun thing that I would yeah. I would probably do with some games. Although some games like I've really wanted to play, and then just you know how like life gets in the way sometimes, or you have to do other things that end up taking up ridiculous amounts of your time, and then so mm. you reach the point where like everyone's stopped talking about it but you still don't have time to play it and then like new things come out and then you get distracted and so you get to the point where you're about like maybe five years after release (laughs) you realize that you haven't spoiled it yet and maybe you (laughs) could go back and play it yeah yeah. i think tom's like that with bioshock yeah and that he never had it spoiled and never got never found out yeah like and i've played uh, recent Bioshock and stuff like that. I just I have never played original Bioshock. So, oh wow! Yeah, like I uh, I've probably had a very different experience of it, having not already been acquainted with that world. Because yeah. that's the other thing. Like there are odd pockets of of complete lack of knowledge that I have simply because of like not working in the industry and not owning the consoles myself. Mm-hmm. So sort of that sort of slightly I didn't I wasn't the one who bought the games because it wasn't my console and stuff like that like it was um yeah it it sort of skewed my play history a bit Mm. 
so yeah like now I'm kind of in the process of going back and and sort of reacquainting myself with sort of those odd oh no I haven't played that oh interesting oh this is quite a good game and then everyone just sort of <laughs> looks at you like really pityingly like yeah. we had this conversation 15 years ago <laughs> <laughs> let me know when you're sort of at least up to the 2000s in terms of experience <laughs> but yeah <laughs> Uh, do you want to do a couple of quick Twitter questions? Yeah, we could do. Uh, I'm going to have a look. Did you get any, or uh, shall I just check? Um... I can see they're not a game feed. Ooh. So all of mine went to there as well. Awesome. Okay, quick. Uh, Ashton Rays asks, this came to you, um, do you think it would be possible to kill someone with a 3DS cart if you threw it hard enough? I remember this. Um, I... I don't think you could... I don't think it's a case of throwing it hard enough. I think it might be a, pla- a case of throwing it in the right place. Mm. You know? Like, maybe if you threw it into their mouth and it ended up blocking their windpipe. Ah, yeah. Or, like, if you managed to throw it and it hit something that was supplying them with a vital fluid or oxygen. You know, mm-hmm. like, if you managed to throw the cartridge hard enough that it switched off their life support machine (laughs) (laughs) or something then you know perhaps that could be a thing or like if you threw it really hard and it like penetrated a saline bag and the Mm -hmm. germs from the cartridge from where you'd huffed on it because it wasn't working when you put it in like maybe that would kill them so, Good answer. Yeah. I did not think it'd be possible, but there we go. <laughs> but if you really want to kill someone just with like a cart, then just you know maybe invest in a N64. Or just buy like an axe. Yes, yes, like in Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Jones asks my question. I'm trying to become the human video game. What are your suggestions? Ooh. I- I don't know what that means. Well, I don't know. Maybe he should have achievements. Okay. Like maybe, like, if he... I don't know. If, for people uh, spending time with him or doing particular tasks for him, then, like, they would get some sort of sticker that they could wear and show their friends. But mm. then again, that's more sort of training people to be your personal butler, which is a strategy that I employed with business cards once. <laughs> Like, I used them as a loyalty card scheme, like you get in Costa Coffee, and just every time one of my colleagues made me a cup of coffee, I would, like, give her a point on her loyalty card. That's excellent. I have more business cards than sense. (laughs) (laughs) And then if she got ten points, then she would get, like, a super special prize to be determined at a later date. Wow. Yeah. Did anybody get enough to get a prize? We both left the company before she got 10 points, which says a oh, lot okay. about her, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> but yeah, um, Ben says, talk about esports and Dark Souls. I think we've basically done that, haven't we? I've I couldn't see that because I filtered it out. Dark Souls. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I think Dark Souls is an e- I think it, Dark Souls is the only good esport. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, maybe I should get into Dark Souls. Yeah, it's got loads of hats again, aren't I? 
Oh, it's got rings. It's got everything, really. I just like. Yeah, it has. Oh, I'm just gonna have to restart it, aren't I? Go through that bloody tutorial and not smack that knight in the face. So. Oh. Well, you can just run through most of the tutorial. Okay. Right. Um, Joff Hopkins asks, "How long am I going to have to wait for a remake of Granny's Garden for modern consoles?" There's actually a PC port of it, I believe, or a PC like. Not googling Granny's Garden right now. I think it's Formation. I think it's like oh, fifteen quid or something. I'm so sure I looked this up the other day for another reason. I think you could probably play um, the thing by Tale of Tales, and that looks like it'd be quite close. Which one? Um, the one where you play as Little Red Riding oh, Hood. Path. A different eight. Yeah, that's it. Mm, the path is super interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's, it's good, but it is really interesting. Play it with his kids. Uh, I've forgotten how old his kids are, but um, I think yeah, I would not play that. <laughs> Maybe with my don't play the part with children. But yeah, Granny's fucking Garden, I believe you can actually get it uh, for PC. Um, so yeah, uh, solved. Yeah, solving all these oh, problems. We've just we've solved everything. Um, something that isn't a podcast question. Can the team recommend any asynchronous multiplayer PC games? Yes. Is it Frozen Next question. No. Uh, Frozen Synapse <laughs> is excellent. Probably the best one. And then... Uh, you can do like Civ and stuff like that, can't you? Yeah, Civ's rubbish though. Maybe... Well, maybe Neptune's Pride? Oh, yeah. If, I don't know if that's technically asynchronous, but it is the best I one. think the first one was asynchronous synchronous but real time yeah it is and then the second one that I've played you need to sort of be in the same room at the same time or like mm. maybe oh no actually no I'm thinking of a different thing aren't I um, I think you actually you have to just take your turn within the day I think that's no it's the same as the first one the, the, the turn stuff is pretty much identical between one and two except two goes in turn rounds of an hour rather than being completely real time like the first one is. But I thought that the se- the second one, like, you have to make your turn, like, you... Because I think I got kicked out of it because I hadn't made a turn in five days. Right, yeah, but that's just because you abandoned the game. I didn't abandon the game, I just had things to do. <laughs> um... <laughs> um, also, there's one called Solomon Infernum. Which is incredibly good, but has no netcode whatsoever and requires somebody to piss about with a load of files and it's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) But if uh, Vic Davis ever fixes his fucking game, that'd be good. (laughs) There's there's plenty of... I, I know that the question was about PC games, but there's also, you know, like a lot of good turn based you know stuff for uh, iPhone and things like that like letterpress I absolutely love I've been playing a few games of that for like you know some of them have lasted months but you know yeah. and just been when people have had a moment or been on like plane journeys they've finally taken their turn or whatever but um, that stuff I've, I've really enjoyed as well sort of I, I tend towards mobile for asynchronous yeah. there's also chess 
there is. Which is still very playable even today. <laughs> Terrible graphics, though. Terrible graphics, but good gameplay. It's so weird seeing people play chess nowadays. Like, I don't know why it feels yeah. so odd, but like I was on the tube the other day and a guy was playing it on his laptop. Yeah. Like, not even on an iPad. He was actually full on his laptop um, next to me. And it was just so weird to glance over and him to be playing chess. I was just yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> I love chess. Mm. Like, it's such a... I'm no good at it, but I really like it. But I get... Um, because I stress over turns so much, though, that like, I can't play it. It's actually like... It's a game that I need to play asynchronously because i can't play it in the same room as somebody because i need like a day to figure out what i'm mm. gonna do um uh yeah i've got nowhere else to go with that it's just good <laughs> i like it there's um there's actually like uh laser chess like uh uh chris Thurston has a copy of it that's really that's quite fun i mean it's not really like actual chess but you know obviously you are trying to strategically move your pieces so that mm. your laser bounces off oh yeah i know and, what you like mean. hits the other person's like main that, piece i've forgotten what it's called but yeah it that does have a name that's not laser chess but yeah i know what you mean. <laughs> have you seen um, chess boxing no right there's a real world sport right. called chess boxing <laughs> and it goes in rounds of i think two minutes mm. and you have a two minute round of chess yeah and then you go and have a two minute round of boxing and then you go back to chess <laughs> and you keep going until you either get checkmate or a knockout <laughs> <laughs> amazing wow so like do people get worse at chess as this goes on yes yeah i can imagine That's exactly what... obviously but like i was just wondering like whether one would get worse and one would get better. I don't know why I thought that would actually like <laughs> Well if the thing I suppose if you're better at boxing, then you will make them be worse at chess. Yeah. So it's probably better to be better at boxing. Yes. Yes. Because all you well all you really need to do is smack someone properly in the <laughs> face. Whereas, you know, with the chess you actually have to like strategize for you know, potentially hours on end. I don't think there's ever been a game of chess boxing that's gone for hours. No, no, it would surprise me if there was. <laughs> like, like, do you think that there comes a point in the in the in the rounds where people get slightly confused as to which one they're doing and start trying to like punch <laughs> the chessboard or like, you know, like sort of start making moves, like start moving diagonally on the boxing ring, or you know? Don't know. Well, there are videos and matches on YouTube. Maybe Tom will be kind enough to put a link into one of them. Maybe, yeah, Tom. <laughs> when you get to listening to this bit, could you maybe like <laughs> sort that out for us? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what else is that? Uh, have you had any more sinister encounters in Daisy recently? I've stopped playing it for a while because it's broken. Yeah. 
so I was getting so annoyed with it that I thought I'd just stop, leave it for six months, and then go back. I've not played it for a little while, but that's more a time thing. So, in what way is it broken at the moment? Um, it's there's massive server problems with like lag and being buggy and stuff. Like every time I logged in for a while, um, it like you could run a bit down the road and then something would kick in and you'd be back to where you were like 30 seconds ago, mm. and you just can't play with that. So mm. I just quite thought I'd leave it. And also, I've never confronted you about this oh no but i can't believe oh, you've no. just fucking ran away in daisy <laughs> i haven't run away you did run away did I? <laughs> you ran and said i'm never telling anybody where i am ever again in daisy <laughs> that's playing. like the best strategy for survival <laughs> though like i'm still alive Actually, I'm not still alive. The last time I played was like a couple of weeks ago with Graham, uh, Graham Smith from RPS, and um, we ended Whoa, up. Oh, I've never heard that. That was weird. <laughs> we ended up because it was Graham Smith from PC Gaming for so long. That's really so weird, weird, isn't it? Uh, so it doesn't feel right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we spent a few hours wandering around, and basically, what happened was so he fell unconscious because he was really hungry and he hadn't actually mentioned this until he was basically about to die and that mm. he um, was trying to eat a rotten kiwi and while he did fell to the ground and like the mm. rotten kiwi was the only thing in that entire village of any kind of nutritional value but because he'd been in the process of trying to eat it when he'd fainted like it was gone so I couldn't <laughs> force feed him this at all. Um, so I was like desperately trying to find it. And then in that at that point, he died. So we thought, OK, well, we'll try again. And then um, what happened was I fell unconscious while trying to eat a rotten kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like there was a zombie stood over me. But like because I'd passed out next to a table, it had like glitched out and I was still stood up um and like was unconscious and so he comes into the room he's like oh god there's a zombie i was like yes that's the zombie i was telling you about (laughs) oh okay and then i think he dealt with that and then he was trying to work out how to force feed me but apparently i looked so freaky because i was like unconscious but stood up and um if you're standing up but unconscious when you move your mouse around it still moves your head (laughs) that's weird and so like i was a bit like rag dolly but lolling around and like my head was going at weird angles and he's like, this is too freaky <laughs> <I'm leaving." laughs> so yeah we both died and and that was that was the story i think he's bad luck because i played with him before when it was the mod mm. and like the last time i played with him i got shot by bandits oh yeah so it's all his fault well i think he probably is a jerk so, you know, hi, Graham, <laughs> you're not a jerk. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed playing it, but that was more just because, like, I was wandering around chatting with a friend rather than anything yeah. that the game was doing. And in a way, like, the game sort of ruined it by us dying. <laughs> I really like wandering around with friends and then getting to plays and then going super fucking military. <laughs> Like, I love that. <laughs> like, could you see the base and then you're all set up and then you have your battle plan and then suddenly everybody goes quiet apart from military talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, there's a couple more questions, but shall we leave them for next week? Or did you want to... Yeah, let's save them. I think we've banged on long enough. Okie dokie. Uh, this has been fun. 
Yeah, I hope it's listenable too. Well, even if it's not, it's the only one we've got, so it'll have to go up, won't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. If nobody else could be asked to turn up, this is what we've got. Exactly. You brought this on yourself, everybody <laughs> else. <laughs> Good job, break. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> I think we did all right. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Um, goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Bye.